0: People uh, just gathering and greeting and fellowshipping together. I always think you might have a need for a small group, okay? <laughs> well, my name is Bill. I am the small groups director here at Cornerstone, and we are glad to see you here. Well, um, you know, last week uh, somebody had seen me in the cafe, and they saw me talking to this, uh, this uh, beautiful woman, and uh, they didn't realize that that was my wife. And, uh, and I think they were kind of shocked in, in a certain way. And so, <laughs> so I want to just, uh, my wife Alicia is, ba- is somewhere. Did she leave the service? She doesn't even want to listen to me this morning. She's right there? Okay. My wife Alicia is back here, and uh, we're just so, uh, we've been married for over 23 years. And uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's good. The Bible says, uh, he who has a wife has a good thing, and uh, she is a good thing. Well, um, we're going to continue this morning uh, in, our, uh, in the series that Pastor Sean started a few weeks ago on Galatians, and this morning we're going to talk in about Galatians chapter 3. And over the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Sean had talked about living our lives in a legalistic way. And he, he made three points. Uh, living our lives in a legalistic way, we, it's working in our own power, working according to our own rules, uh, and working to earn God's favor. And, and, and he had stated legalism is man's way to control and receive the glory. See, what Paul said to the church almost 2,000 years ago, you would think wouldn't apply to us today. But I think today it has so much about where we're at and what is going on in our lives. Because, you know, the the Bible is a living book. And and because God never changes, the word of truth is the same for us today as it was over 2,000 years ago. And when I think about how Paul's writing here to the church... He talks about legalism and really the found grace that we receive through Christ at salvation. That today, where he wouldn't really be focusing on Judaizers. We, you know, none of us have run. Has anybody run into a Judaizer at all? Anybody? No, we don't have any Judaizers like in our midst this morning. But, but because of our culture, the way our culture has formed us. I believe we still deal with what really Paul was talking about today, because, see, we live in a performance-based society. Since we were children, we have been made to perform to pass, and it started really from the very beginning in kindergarten, right? In kindergarten, you, you couldn't graduate to first grade until you could zip up your coat and tie your shoes. Isn't that right? You, you couldn't I mean, I still have nightmares about bunny ears. You know what I'm saying? And and you know, and before I learned to tie my shoes, you know, Velcro wasn't introduced. And so I don't know if we have a generation of people that don't know how to tie their shoes or not, but but we have this whole this whole performance and it started in kindergarten and then then it became part of the performance of earning grades in school. You know, we had to earn these grades in school so we could get the right GPA, so that we could get the right scholarship to go to college, and, and so on. And then we got out of school, and then we had to go find our first job, and if you didn't even go to college and you went and found your first job, now you're on this whole performance track. You're trying to perform and, and get to the next level, get the next promotion, go into management. Who knows what your your aspirations are, But but what Paul would say today is, he's like, you know, that's okay. It's okay to to want to perform and do the best with the abilities that God has for you. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to move that performance track into the rest of your life. You don't want to move that performance track into your life when it comes to your relationship with Christ. And that's really what Paul's talking about here in Galatians chapter three, uh, one through three, and it's on your handout this morning. And if you have your handout, it's probably up here behind me. But it says this out of the New Living Translation: It says, "Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross." Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? You know, it brings me to this place this morning where when I was growing up, and i've told this i've told you this before i grew up and i have uh i'm the youngest of four okay i'm the youngest of four yeah you guys are all saying he's the baby yeah that's okay you know but uh and and it even gets better because i actually have three older sisters so <laughs> well you know it's it's okay to you know to be the baby but by the time you turn about 10 or 11 years old things really drastically changed and what had changed was that my oldest sibling had received her driver's license. And, you know, when you receive your driver's license, I don't think parents know the impact that it's going to change on their financial picture. <laughs> right? And, and so what happened was is that my parents, my oldest sibling, uh, got her driver's license, was put on the insurance, and at that moment, my parents realized how much it was going to cost not only to put their daughters on the insurance, but how much it was going to cost to put their son on the insurance. So no pressure for this 10 or 11-year-old boy, but my parents pretty much told me that, Bill, you're, you're on your own. We're not putting you on the car when you turn 16. And I'm like, it's not my fault, you know? So what happened is, is then I just began to realize, you know, how you know I had to become an adult quickly and go out and find a job and, and go get enough money to save for a car. And, and so, so I, I wasn't able to get my car on my 16th birthday, but the spring following, since my birthday's in October, the spring following, I had saved up enough money to buy my first car. And, and that first car, I need to tell you what I had. I had a 1978 Chevy Vet. Yeah, yeah, a Chevy vet, it was red, it was all decked out. Now you're like, how Bill, did you afford a Corvette? And I didn't say Corvette, I said vet. <laughs> it was it was a it was a Chevette, okay? It was <laughs> I used to say I used to call it a Chevette because in order to get zero to sixty within thirty seconds you had to be at the top of a steep hill and you shoved it. <laughs> Down the hill. That car, that car had absolutely no power, no acceleration. The only ticket I received uh, in that car was actually going through a red light. I couldn't even make it when it turned yellow. (laughs) It was on the floor and it would not move fast enough. There was a police car, like three cars behind, at the stoplight. The light turned green. He was still able to catch me. I think he passed me, and uh, and then ended up stopping me. You know that had that car had no power whatsoever. It uh, you know it had those things that we call uh, um, we call uh, like uh, locks, right? I mean, we have to pull them up and down. Do you, do you do that anymore? I don't think we do that. And then we still have this this notion in our mind when we tell people to roll up the window, but all we do is push a button, right? So we roll up the window, we had all those things, no air conditioning, can you believe that? Thank you, Jesus, for air conditioning in cars today, right? So it had no power. I mean, no matter where I was going, it, I, I just couldn't get any place fast enough. I mean, you would be going 55 miles an hour down the highway, and you would hit a hill, and by the time you hit the top of the hill, you were going like 30. I mean, I am so glad that today vehicles are so much better. You know, I have a vehicle today... And that vehicle I ended up getting rid of, and and it might have had maybe 100,000 miles on it, you know? And and today that vehicle, you know, wouldn't be worth anything, but today we can get, we get a new vehicle today, and vehicles will drive and ride forever, right? I mean, I have a vehicle that's like 10 years old, has like 140,000 miles on it, and that car still has power. Actually, I tested it yesterday just to make sure, so I could give this illustration this morning. And, you know, it has power, it has all the little, you know, I bought it used, so it has all the little bells and whistles, climate control, you know, all the, the CD disc changer, you know, it has the powered seats, those are, I mean, I mean, because we're just so lazy to be able to pull a lever to move our seat up and back, you know. But we have all these little gadgets in cars today. And, you know, you know sometimes I think what Paul would illustrate this morning is that it's really like that. You know, at one point, you had this powerless vehicle. You were trying to perform it on your own. But, you know, when Jesus came on the scene, he gave us new life. He gave us real power. But what begins to happen in our lives as we continue to move back and forth, back and forth, yes, I have the power that Jesus gave to me on the cross today, but I'm going to try to do it on my own it's like taking that old chevette and taking a tow rope and we and we connect it to whatever car you have because it has to be better than that and you connect it to that car today and then you begin to drive it you try to drive the chevette away with the tow rope in front of it it doesn't get you anywhere it doesn't get you anywhere. You, you, you begin to realize that there's just not enough power in that vehicle. It ha, it's not reliable. It's not trustworthy. It will only lead me down the wrong direction. And I believe this is what Paul would say. Paul called the Galatians foolish because they had been given this wonderful gift of life by grace, by the grace of God, and then instead of continuing to live in His grace, they were tw- trying to move forward in the Christian life, on their own human effort. It was like they were saying, thanks for the new vehicle, God, but, but I think I'll just continue to drive this one. Why do we have a tendency to do that? Why do we continue to live our lives that way? I believe so often in our lives it's because it's a lot about pride. It's a lot about ego, but I think sometimes it's just our stinking thinking. Do you know what I'm saying? We like to think that we had something to do with it. We like to think that we've earned what we've received from God. And Paul makes it very clear that this blessing, the blessings of God are not something you'll ever earn. You can only receive them by faith, and faith is the key. Faith is the real key. This is what Galatians 3 is all about. Faith is the key. Faith is the key, and it opens the window to God's blessing in your life. Remember that. Faith is the key. This is This is our real main point this morning. Faith is the key. And the point that's on your handout this morning that you can fill in the blank, faith makes you right with God. And you're like, yeah, Bill, I know that. Yeah, I think we sometimes get it here. We don't get it here. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. This is what, look at verse 24. I think it's up on the screen of the New Living. It says, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. What does Paul mean? The law was our guardian. Other translations says the law was our tutor. And in the Greek world, there were often household servants, usually an older, established, trusted slave who was in charge of the child. He was the custodian of sorts. He saw to it that the child developed social skills, learned manners, formed character, he took the child to and from school, and so on. He wasn't a tutor in the academic sense. He wasn't the child's teacher. He was more of a caretaker. And the word that, that describes this kind of slave is the same word that Paul uses to describe the law. The law is like a custodian or a caregiver. Or what does that sound like to me? It sounds like to me a little bit like a parent, right? We, we set boundaries. It shows us what is right and wrong. It teaches us what should be the proper boundaries. Don't we do that for our kids? We try to teach them what's right and wrong. We try to give them the right boundaries. And it's through the law of this custodian that we become aware of our own inability to save ourselves because the law itself cannot save us. And the same thing is true that, that our lives, we can't do anything to save ourselves. We can't do anything to save ourselves. Do you want to know how to become absolutely overcome with despair in a very short period of time? Uh, Bill, no. Well, let me tell you anyways, okay? Try to live perfect according to the law, even according to your own standards. Try to do everything that you know you should do without messing up even once. See, I'm not this morning, I'm not trying to engage you in the power of suggestion, but see how long you last. If we all started right now, a good portion of us probably won't make it through the service this morning. You know, some of us might make it last till after lunch, but, but most of us won't even make it through the rest of the day. And if you if you don't watch TV, you might make it through the rest of the day. You might make it even through the evening and into the next day. But but you know what's going to happen is. Just think about that for a moment. How long can you go without thinking? Not even for a second. One thought that you shouldn't think. One vindictive thought. One selfish thought. One jealous thought. One self-righteous thought. How long can you go? As I said, if you try to do it on your own, it's only going to bring despair in your life. Because you'll finally realize that I can't control my thoughts. I can't control my actions. I know the right thing to do, but I can't always force myself to do it. I know what's wrong, but I can't keep myself from doing it. And that's what Paul had to say. Paul had to say that in Romans chapter 7, uh, 15, 18, and 19. He said it this way, I don't understand myself at all, For I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do Right. I want to, but I can't. And when I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyways. Sounds familiar? Have we ever felt that way before? That's what the law does. That's really what, it, what happens. It shows us how sinful we are. It draws a line between right and wrong. And when we live our lives trying to perform and receive the approval of God in our lives, we inevitably end up more often than we'd like on the wrong side of the line. Now, Galatians 3.18 says that this is why the law was given, to show us how guilty we are. But in verse 21, he says, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? And this is what he says, absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But here's the problem. We mess up. You know, we mess up, we try to perform, but the more we try, the more we end up failing. And we bring condemnation into our life, but this is what the Scripture says. But the Scripture declares that we're all prisoners of sin. So be encouraged, you can go home now, right? But this is what it says. This is, we need to read verse 22 fully. It says, So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about in this series, freedom. See, if you want to be right with God, if you want to live in freedom, there's only one way you can do it. It's put your faith in Christ. And we, we did that at the time when we received Christ as a free gift of salvation. But so often or not, we begin to get this whole performance mentality We get this idea that God doesn't like me. What did I do? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? And we go back into our minds and and we think, man, what did I do? Do you guys think that way? Anybody just, I had a dream that no one was gonna raise their hand. That I was gonna be the only one that thought that. But we we begin to believe that. We begin to think about it in our lives and we go, man, God, and that mentality is that we're trying to perform, we're trying to get something for the way we live out our lives, but that's not how it works. We, we receive what we receive because of the faith we put in Christ. The faith is what we receive the blessings of God, not by the do's and the don'ts that, that we begin to live. I can tell you that I want to just say something before we continue this morning because some of you are, like, are starting to kind of, kind of begin to say, oh man, Bill, I've heard this before i 've heard this message i 'm just going to zone out for the next you know, hour or so while you continue to talk. You know, but just let me ask you this question before we continue. Are you living your life in freedom daily? Are we walking in freedom daily in our lives because that 's really what we 're trying to accomplish in our lives, and I can tell you, just like I said before, I struggle with this. I get these these thoughts in my mind that run loose and I'm just like, man, why God? What did I do? And, and I know even, you know, the last few weeks Pastor Sean even made mention of this over the last couple of weeks of just, just what goes on in his head and what happens in his life. So just stay with me on this because today we want to be set free, right? We want to walk in the freedom that Christ intended for us to live in. And in the world, I can perform for my promotions, but in my walk with God, I cannot perform to make him love me any more than he loves me right now. So on your handout, God loves me the same today as he will love me tomorrow. See, we get caught up in this trap of performance with our relationship with God. We believe what we do or don't do gets God's approval. We believe that it gets him to love us more. And we begin to think, if I read my Bible more, if I pray more, if I serve more, if I fast more, if I come to church more, if I sin less, if I stop having those thoughts, if I stop saying those things, then God will love me more. And that's totally, totally wrong. All those things are needed. Let me tell you this. All those things are needed to live a victorious life. But it's the wrong thinking. I do not do and don't do things for God's approval. I do and don't do things because I want to become more like him. That's why we live that way. And that's why we need to change our thinking this morning. It's not for his approval. Paul said it in Romans that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is there no condemnation? Because Jesus did it on the cross for you. He already forgave you of your sins. He did it over 2,000 years ago. He forgave the sins that you were going to commit today were already done for you. And when God looks at you today, he looks at you as righteous, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did for you. That deserves some praise to God, right? Amen. Hebrews chapter 8, 10 through 12 says this out of the new King James, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law, laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. See, this is the new covenant. This is the new covenant that we no longer have to perform, but it's because of the love and goodness of God that we can have a personal relationship with Him. First Peter 2.22 says, He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. You have to understand this. He lived a perfect life in every thought, in every action, in every motive. And then he chose to make the ultimate sacrifice because he was the perfect sacrifice. That's where it happens. It happens in our lives. It happened over 2,000 years ago. And I believe if we could look at it in the bigger picture of things, if you could just imagine this with me, at the time when Jesus was on the cross. This is what I imagine it would look like and and others have said the same that God looked at the world from a bird's eye view because you know God's outside of time our time and that's sometimes hard to grasp. But God looked at the world from a bird's eye view. He saw all the sin that was committed and would be committed and put that sin on the son of God. God called all these sins into remembrance. He executed his full wrath, his full punishment, his full displeasure his full disappointment, his full condemnation, his full judgment on Jesus, all at one time. Because only Jesus, only Jesus could do it for us. Only Jesus could take on the sin. Only Jesus could be the ultimate sacrifice for us to be set free and to walk in freedom. And that brings me to my next thought. What happened when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, most scholars, you know, those are the people that are a lot smarter than me. You know, they say, they say at that moment, most would agree that at that moment when Jesus said that right before he died, that that is when the Father turned his face from him. He turned his face from him because the Father can't see evil. He can't see sin. He can't look at that. And you're like, why is that important to me, Bill? Why is that important today? You need to hear this right now. Because this is going to change your whole view on your relationship with God. And it's on your handout. The Father never turns His face from you. He never turns His face from you. Why does the Father not turn His face from you? Because if you're a follower of Christ right now, you were made righteous because of the faith you put in Christ Jesus. Hear me now. You've been made righteous because of the faith you put in Christ. And so when, when, you ex- when God chose you and you accepted it, you became righteous. And so when the Father looks at you, He only sees you as righteous because He took the sin. He already turned his face from sin at the time of the the death of Christ. And since you're a follower of Christ, he doesn't turn his face from you. He doesn't see you messing up because he's already forgiven that in your life. Isn't that what what we just read? We just read this, that, that because in Hebrews that he remembers your sin no more, See, before we came to Christ, the law was like a guardian or a tutor. It set the boundaries of what is right and wrong. But now that we have faith in Christ, Paul says this in verse 25, and now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. He's saying that the focus of our life is no longer directed towards performance. The focus of our life is now directed towards our faith in Jesus Christ. And our personal relationship with him. The law can only prove to us that we are sinners. But when we put our faith in Christ. He removes the guilt of sin. He forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he makes us right with him. He he makes us right with him. That's right. The cross was enough. Amen. I think I don't know if we're quiet. Because this is just kind of all rattling in our brains right now. You guys are really quiet right now. But let me just tell you we need to know this. We need to know this. We need to know that the Father doesn't turn his face from you. If you're a follower of Christ today, the Father always is looking at you. And David said it this way in Psalms 1611. He says that in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And I, we don't really get the same wow factor out of this. We don't get the wow factor of in your presence. But you know what he's literally saying if we, if we break it out into the original? He's really saying, when I'm face to face with you, God, when I'm face to face with you, then there is fullness of joy. Why do we need to know that? Because the only person who turns their face in that relationship is us. We do it because of condemnation. We do that because of shame. But God never does. When we're in his presence there's fullness of joy. God doesn't turn around. Because but because you put your faith in the work of Jesus on the cross, now you get to experience that joy. You get to experience the joy the Father turned his face on the son so that he can take pleasure in you. Because you put his faith because you put your faith in him. You might be thinking, Bill, this is great. This is all great, but, but knowing this will set me free. But how can I stop messing up? How can I live this life that God intended for me? And I think that's a great question. I believe it starts with our thinking, because when we know who we are in Christ, it's our identity of who we are in Christ, that we'll be able to live the life that God intended. It's having the right kind of mindset. And it requires really intentionality. We have to change our thinking. We have to be aware that our natural human instincts, when we wake up in the morning each day, is that we're going to gravitate towards everything we think is wrong in our lives. But it's because of of who we are in Christ that that viewpoint changes. We have to start out our day by directing our attention on God and focus on His love for us. His goodness, His greatness, His glory. And that's where we're going to end up this morning. And it's on your handout. You know, the Lord's Prayer, along with the prayer we see that Paul prayed, starts the same way. He said, Our Father, our Father, this helps us direct our attention to Him. It helps direct our attention on Him and not ourselves. And I'm not going to go through every verse this morning, but I do want to go through this as we close this morning. The first thing is, is we need to remind ourselves that we are a child of God and that all of our sins have been forgiven. You need to remember that. You, you need to remind yourself that you're going to heaven and have eternal life because of Jesus. Not because of you, not because you didn't mess up today and you've lived really good for this last week, but because of Jesus. And if you get that down into your heart... It's going to change you. Remind yourself that you have the favor of God and that God is for you. He's not against you. He's not against you. He wants the best for you. You are his child. Remember that. Remind yourself that your life on earth is temporary, but your life with your heavenly father is forever. This part of our life is just like a vapor. It's just a small part. We're going to make it through. We're going to get to the other side. We're going to live with Him forever. The next part of the prayer, the Lord's Prayer says, in heaven. And heaven speaks of the greatness of God and the greatness of His power within all who believe in Him. We have to remember that God is on the throne and with Him all things are possible. We are overcomers, guys. We're overcomers. That Jesus has all authority that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within me. Lives within me. We forget that sometimes. You know, I was uh, a few years ago. A few years ago, my my father uh passed away. It's been about three years and at the end of March, and and uh I didn't do the full funeral, but I had a, a part of the in the funeral, and so you're when you're, when you're doing anything, like when you're public speaking or anything, you're, you kind of have a mindset. You need to get your mind in order, you know, and you've got to kind of stay focused. And so I, I've just kind of been that way most of my life, and, and I try to hold in my emotions. And so I got through, through the host service. We get out to the cemetery, and uh, um, we're on our way back from the cemetery, and I'm just driving down the road back to the church, kind of getting a little misty you know, just thinking about my dad, you know, and that I'm going to miss him. And my son's sitting in the back, and he's only, at the time he was eight years old. And I'm already kind of emotional at the time, and I'm sorry, I'm going to probably get a little emotional right now. But he said to me, he said, he said, you know, dad, he said, when, when the pastor was praying, he's like, I was praying that, that grandpa would come back up. And I just, oh, I just broke. I just broke loose, you know? I mean, just streams, just tears, and I cried for, for minutes, probably 15, 20 minutes I remember, and you know, it's not just like this cry and tear thing, it's like, you know, the snot and everything coming out, you know? <laughs> it was all coming out, and, and it was right at that moment, that God said to me, he said, Bill, remember this. Remember this. This is the faith. This is the blessings that you're going to receive. You need to have the faith of a child that no matter what it is, that it can happen in your life. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you today. And you can overcome it, not on your own, that will only bring despair, but if you put your trust in Him, if you give Him everything, you're going to be set free. And then we bring all of our cares, problems, trials, and pains to the Lord and believe Him for the great things. And then I can do all things through Christ, right, who strengthens me. The final thing is to focus on the glory of God. Hollywood be your name. Because this really helps us remember that this life is not all about us, right? It's not all about me. Hollywood means lifted up, or in other words, glorified be the name of God. See, our lives on this earth are but a speck in the big picture of eternity. It's about changing our thinking and our focus here this morning. Remembering who we are in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ today, God sees you as righteous. And we need to start living that day to day by focusing not on our own inabilities to save ourselves, but on His ability because He's already done it for us on the cross. We need to bring that focus to our lives. You know, it's really just, in closing this morning, it's time to remove the tow rope from the vehicle we keep trying to keep and ride in the vehicle that was given to us when we accepted Jesus on the cross. Because, you know, the vehicle that God has given us, and that's new life in Christ, has the power, and it will accelerate your life to the fullest. And we call that faith. The free gift of faith. So as we close this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to really talk to two different people this morning, or two different groups of people, The first are those who have sat here today and realized that you know that you can't perform to get God's attention. You have lived your life with a a set of standards, but the more you try, the more you fail. And today, you want to live a life of freedom. You want to say, I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. I just want to see your hand this morning. No one's looking around. If that's you, just raise your hand and you can put it right back down. You know, the the second group of us, and thank you, I I saw those hands. The second group are, are those who have committed our lives to Christ, but are just trapped. We're trapped in trying to perform for God and trying to gain His approval. And this morning, you want prayer today to help change your thinking. You know, if that's you today, I just want you to lift up your hand so I can pray with you this morning. Just lift up your hand. If you just need help changing your thinking today, I see those hands. You can put them down. Thank you. You know, this morning, I just want us to all stand. We're going to close in prayer today. I want us to pray this prayer together. So, So if you raised your hand, just, you know, it's not about the words. It's about... It's, a, it's about the attitude that comes with it. It's the faith we put in. It's the way we walk out our faith. So if you raised your hand, just repeat it after me, and the rest of us can pray aloud with them. We're going to start it out. Our Father, I thank you for the desire to be in relationship with you. I didn't choose you, but you chose me. I know I can't perform any longer to gain your approval because you love me so much more than I can imagine. I confess that I can't do this on my own and I ask that you will forgive me of my sin. I believe what Jesus did on the cross and coming out from the grave Gives me the opportunity to live with you for eternity. Please come into my heart. Change me from the inside out. Set me free today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. We will overcome by the blood of.